why in the world would a man have to wear a beard? Why can't he shave? You know, that just seems ridiculous and overbearing. We live in a very different culture. Back then, those things were all very symbolic. And they had a lot more purpose, but you have to understand the purpose of it in its setting. If you only understand the purpose of a beard today, then you won't really understand why those laws were there. So I should be wearing a beard. Yeah, you should. I don't know why you don't have one. I got mine. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everyone, to the 27th podcast of Renew Your Mind. This is the First United Methodist Church, and with us here today, we have Senior Pastor Paul Gruenberg. And we have our youth and family pastor, Jordan Chambers, and myself, Dana Hall, as a moderator. Um, We started the series off on, we're discussing the Old Testament. And the last podcast, we talked about the value. We discussed the value of the Old Testament. So today, we want to delve into more of the historical and the cultural and maybe even the geographical um, parts of the Old Testament. So... Pastor Jordan, Pastor Paul, um, any comments on how you want to start us off? Well, the, yeah, just to mm-hmm. review, you know, last last time we talked about the value, and you know, just to really solidify what we we said, the Old Testament is is on par with the New Testament. It is to be put side by side. It's not to be set aside and let you know put mm-hmm. on a lower scale. Theologically, it is of equal importance to the New Testament. We have to understand that. However, it was written in a very different time, and it was written over a much longer period of time. I think the entire New Testament, at most, you know, if if you attribute it to the to, to the authors that are claimed, has a sixty-year span of completion. At most, yeah. Mm-hmm. The Old Testament has at least a fifteen hundred if not 2000 year span. It's <laughs> a lot of time to cover, you know, all of that material and um you know it, it, just like if if you've ever lived um you know, maybe if you ever talked to a grandfather or a grandmother about the time in their day and mm-hmm. how two generations ago, you know, 50 years ago, how different things were. Mm-hmm. You know, imagine how that happens if you go a thousand or two years back, or three or four thousand years back. It goes, you know, dramatically uh, different, and and so it's important for us to realize that the Old Testament, uh, you know, it is theologically valuable, even to the point of the New Testament. But at the same time, it's not the New Testament, and it's not now. It was written at a very different time. Sure. In order to really understand and grasp everything, all of its content appropriately, we we need to get. A little bit more familiar with, mm-hmm. you know, that time frame. So, in, in thinking of that, uh, Jordan mentioned um, while we were off about the geography of the land, and when we look at the bigger stories beyond a- Adam and Eve and Noah, when we l- begin looking at Abraham, Abraham lived in the land of the Chaldeans in at Ur. His father Terah brought them up to Haran, and then Abraham was called then and went down to uh, Canaan. Mm-hmm. Canaan came about as one of the the youngest son of the middle son of Noah, and he was cursed. That land became Canaan, and that's where his family would move to. Mm-hmm. And then that, of course... That would become Israel. That would become the promised land. 
And that's a part of the backstory that you don't think of when you read about Noah. You just think about the water and you think about the flood and finally they're set free. But there's a little story in there that happens after the flood and one of the sons is, is not he, but his family line is cursed. His youngest son, Canaan, is cursed and they become the Canaanites. But even more so than that, we have to understand probably the culture of the Old Testament, because I know a lot of people today would look at the Old Testament and go, what? What do you mean a male's in charge? And in the culture, now God worked within the culture of the people. And you would actually have to go back to Adam and Eve. The curse to uh, Eve is really interesting because most people will think of Eve in regard to more pain in childbirth. But it says these words for Eve. It says, oh, let's see. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. And all the ladies are nodding and saying yes. And all the guys are going. (laughs) But then it says, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And that's really interesting because when Adam and Eve were created, they were created as equals, companions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The idea of uh, two people today who complement each other, that's, that's kind of the idea. And, and we can see in society, especially in the Americas, how husbands and wives or husbands are getting more involved with the children. Wives are getting more involved with um, bringing home the bacon, so to speak. And, and it's more of a shared responsibility, and that reminds me more of Adam and Eve than the culture even a generation or so ago, mm-hmm. where the husband ruled the house, uh, so to speak, even though, if we're honest, ladies know how to um, speak to their husbands in such a way as to get what they want. <laughs> so true. <laughs> <laughs> but the original curse was, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so the society became what we call patriarchal. So the patri is the father, patriarchal. And so in that, the oldest living male would be the patriarch of a clan, mm-hmm. or they call it a, in Hebrew, bet ab. And in that bet av, the oldest living male would be the leader. So when Noah and his sons uh, were doing uh, the ark, Noah would have been in charge. Mm-hmm. If anyone underneath Noah in his family, so that would include Noah, his wife, his sons, their wives, if he had any daughters, any unmarried daughters, because once the daughter got married, she would go to live with another bet av and then potentially grandchildren. So there could be upwards of 30 people mm-hmm. in a, a bet av or almost a compound, several homes, uh, not like the homes today, but uh, they would share in everything and, the, and together they would um, create the food, do the hunting, all of those kinds of things. And so in the patriarchal society, the man ruled. Now, the most important two people to the woman, the oldest living woman, was her husband and her firstborn son. If her husband died, the firstborn son was being groomed 
to become the next patriarch. If there was no firstborn son, that woman, when her husband died, would be in big trouble because she had no male patriarch to lean into. Mm -hmm. So when we read the story of Ruth and Naomi, Naomi's husband dies, but she's got her two sons still, and they're living in the land of Moab. And then her two sons die, and she's got no one. And so she becomes, I don't want to say an outcast, but she's got like no one to provide for her. Yeah. And so she go, ends up going back to Israel, and within her family, there is a patriarch that would be responsible to help her out. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful story of redemption. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I encourage you to read it. But that whole understanding of how the patriarchal system got started is important because when we read throughout the Old Testament and we see uh, the lineage, all males, for the most part, there would be a female here and there. And when you read the female name, you need to pay attention because there's a reason she's in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so when we look through all of the stories of the Old Testament, it's oftentimes men. And, and that's just because of the culture. And so we... Oftentimes, we will take our culture today, like I said, men and women are more on equal footing today than they ever have been, and we'll want to impose that on the Old Testament. And doing that, you you almost, I don't know, erase some of the meaning, and we start putting our own meaning onto it because of how we understand our culture today, and that creates a problem in reading the Old Testament. Yeah, and that how many times do you think that point is missed when teaching somebody about the Old Testament? I mean, it's not like you open it up and say, "Hey, here's here's how the culture acted." Although yeah. that's what you do and that's, you know. So but like it matters a lot because what is being said in the Old Testament is being said through that lens. Mm-hmm. Right. If you read it through the lens of today, then you're only going to understand it through that. But if you read it through the lens of yesteryear, then you'll understand its actual meaning. Right. And oh, that's, yeah. the, that's the big thing, is you want to know what the intended meaning was, not the meaning that you happen to get because of different circumstances. You know, Probably to me, one of the best examples of this is the Levitical Code, mm-hmm. where it talks about slavery, and it talks about diets, and it talks about... Uh, articles of clothing, talks about the way you wear your beard, Um, all of these specific cultural laws that uh, today we would find appalling. Like, how is it allowed in the Old Testament? How how is it the Bible actually says you're allowed to own a slave? Or how is it that, that why in the world would a Bible be so degrading that it says you can't mix your clothing linens and your, 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 you know, your cotton has to stay with the cottons, if you will? Uh, why in the world would a man have to wear a beard? Why can't he shave? When, you know That just seems ridiculous and overbearing. Mm-hmm. We live in a very different culture. Back then, those things were all very symbolic, mm-hmm. and they had a lot more purpose. But you have to understand the purpose of it in its setting. If you only understand the purpose of a beard today, then you won't really understand why those laws were there. So I should be wearing a beard. Yeah, you should. I don't know why you don't have one. I got yeah. mine. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you might as well tell them why they needed to wear a beard. Yeah. So, you know, with all of those different things, I mean, and, you know, you can go all day 
with all of these. I know slavery is probably the the more hot button issue. Yeah. yeah, because of course we have such a disgusting history with that that it it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth every time you you say the word and then you find in the Bible, oh my goodness, it's even worse. Um, but for you know for the clothing for the appearance sake, uh, the way that the Israelites were commanded to to dress and act was very specific. And it identified them as the people of God. So God chose the nation of Israel as a very special group of people. And he required that anyone anyone was allowed to become Jewish, but they had to right. do certain things. It was called the process was called proselytizing. Mm-hmm. You had to do something, some things, including change or alter your appearance to this, if you will, this identity. Right. Mm-hmm. It meant you were a child of God. That's really what it came down to. There is a story in Old Testament where uh, I believe King David sends some of his messengers um, to a faraway king. Uh, The king knows and wants to disrespect King David, and so he cuts off the bottom cloaks. In other words, it'd be like stealing their pants. So they have to walk home naked halfway and shave half of their beards off. And, you know, it's not just that it looks weird. It was, you're no longer what you claim to be. We just made you something else. Um, Another way to maybe, in a modern sense, understand this is if you've ever seen the movie The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. Yeah. Okay. There's a scene in there, and it's a really good movie. I, I recommend it. It's good. There's a scene in there where one of the samurai warriors... Uh, has what they call a top knot, which is kind of like a little man bun, ponytail kind of thing. Yeah, my bun today, yeah. And um, some soldiers want to cut it off of him, mm-hmm. and he is about to fight to the death to protect his hairstyle. And, you know, you and I might think that's a little overbearing, but his master says, let it happen, and as they cut off the top knot, the man is just weeping in the streets that was because that was sim- symbolic of who they were and what they had earned, and it was their identity. Mm-hmm. And by chopping off just that that piece of hair, it was like tearing away their heart and what they were stood for. And it was a physical identity. It was right? a physical identity. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even more so than a tattoo might provide the "I love mom" kind of thing. Right. You know, it was a way for them to wear it on every aspect of who they were, and that was what the Israelites were commanded to do. And they were to protect that and to mm-hmm. sustain that as a way to prove who they belonged to. And so it was a big deal, even though today, you know, whether a guy's got a beard or not doesn't matter unless it's November, then you have to, it's no shave. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so without those cultural understandings, though, that story of, you know, the king sending home those guys with half their clothes and half a beard. That just sounds like a weird story. Yeah. Right. When you understand how valuable those things are mm-hmm. to those people and what that meant, then it's much more obvious. So the sign of a covenant of belonging to the Hebrews, or who would be known as the Israelites, was circumcision. And we look back on that today, and and I remember when the boys were born, we had to answer the question, do you want your son circumcised? And one of the aspects of circumcision is it is cleaner. Uh, It is less to take care of. 
um, less opportunity for infection, those types of things. And so circumcision, just from uh, a purely clinical or health reason, is a positive thing. Of course, now you're taking a baby and you're circumcising them, and a lot of the healthcare professionals, well, I don't want to say a lot of, but many healthcare professionals don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. And what's really interesting is that circumcision was done on the eighth day after the mother had be had gone through purification, mm-hmm. and then on the eighth day, the child would be presented and they would be circumcised. And they found out uh, clinically that something around the eighth day has not kicked in in a baby, and so they really don't feel the pain, or mm-hmm. or the healing happens faster. I can't remember what it was, mm-hmm. but what we found out is that the eighth day is a a real important day to do that. And um, that was something that got instituted back in the time of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. It just has taken us, let's see, we're in 2020, so uh, (laughs) 3,500 years to, more than 3,500 years to figure it out. So when we read in the Old Testament that God had him doing something, it was not only a sign or a yeah, I guess a sign that this is who we are, mm-hmm. but it was also because God knew better mm-hmm. uh, to do those kinds of things. Um, it's incredible when you start looking back at the Old Testament law, which a lot of people, if you're reading through the Bible, I'm going to read through the Bible. We read through Genesis, a lot of great stories, and Exodus, you know, Moses, Mount Sinai, and then we hit the law. And a lot of people just like, I don't understand this. And then they kind of give up. And that's unfortunate. And so we're reading the one-year Bible this year as a congregation. And it has Old Testament and New Testament. So when you hit that that law part in the Old Testament, we got a lot of cool stuff happening in the New Testament at the time. And so that kind of carries you through that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there are some other aspects that we need to talk about, uh, covenants, and we can get into that next week. That sounds great. Well, let's end right there. That'll be um, excellent to to talk through the covenants um, between the Old or in the Old and the New Testament. So um, with that, we will end our our podcast. Lent will be coming up in a few weeks, so keep that in mind. If you need to reach out to us um, at the church, we're located at 215 South Center Street. We have a traditional service at 9 a.m. and a contemporary at 1045 a.m. And you can attend in person or on Facebook or YouTube. And if you need to contact the office, you can call us at 989-732-5380. Thanks for joining us, everyone.